0: The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at slayrx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRX for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slayer X. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor, and I'm a father of twin boys.
1: My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a CPA, and I'm a mom with three girls.
2: And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina, the father to three teenagers, an engineer, and a husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa.
0: Eric. On a scale of zero to 10, how excited are you for this weekend's run for Peyton, wild and wacky 10 by 5K? 17.
2: (laughs) That
1: sounds like the number of pair of shoes that George is planning to bring. I
0: I am not planning to bring 17. I am planning to bring, I think, seven
1: at least. (laughs) So, yes,
0: I will be bringing two pairs of Deviate Nitros, two pairs of Adidas terex speed ultras uh one pair of solomon pulsars one pair of vj ultras and i think i'm going to be in a pair of uh Saucony endorphin speeds just for fun
2: <laughs> so do you actually have two pairs of the terex speed ultras i didn't realize this so I, I did
0: me? i did i have i have the pair that i've currently been wearing and then i have a backup pair um because, Is that because when... you
2: got the first pair dirty
0: so, so no, Michelle would be the one who, who <laughs> retires shoes when they're dirty. Um, I bought the second pair because I read all the articles about supply chain issues in the first few months of the year, and I liked the Deviate Nitros enough, and I liked the Tarek the Speed Ultras enough that I didn't want to find myself in a position where I was unable to get another, another pair.
2: So. Because we run out of, you know, off-road shoes wear down so quickly. You want to make sure you have that second pair handy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I have actually been wearing them on a regular basis. The fact that I like those shoes enough has inspired me to be running more of my runs on the trails. Um, and so I've been racking up miles on them uh, a little bit more quickly than I was, even on the Deviate 8 Nitro as my primary road shoes. But one way or another, I'm going to be bringing them also because there's a... Uh, bad weather in the forecast. And so I don't know exactly what the uh, the weather is going to look like. So if one pair of shoes gets incredibly muddy or dirty or wet or whatever, I'll have another one that'll be a little more comfy to switch into for the next 5k. And the one after that, and the one after that, and the one after that.
2: So, so Michelle, one of the reasons why this conversation is so funny is our friend Brett. And (laughs) are you aware of the breadth of Brett's shoe selection Michelle I mean it's it's pretty amazing
1: I don't understand why I don't have a picture of Brett's shoe collection
0: well it's because it would be a very small picture there there's uh, more than a touch of irony in Eric's voice
1: so Brett has one pair of shoes
0: Brett has a pair Brett wears polka bondies for every purpose
1: is he like 60 I think he's (laughs) (laughs) Shoe is, that shoe is like for a demographic.
0: <laughs> Actually, there, there, there's, it, it's, it's not only that he has that one pair of shoes. Um, it's that in addition, part of his ethic is to not change his clothes for the entire event. And so I will be changing my shoes as need be. I'll be changing my socks perhaps every single time. I'll be changing my shorts maybe every other time. I'll be changing my shirt every single time. Brett will run the entire event in one pair of shorts, and one pair of socks, in one pair of shoes, and probably in no shirts, but we'll see.
1: That's going to smell good. <laughs> <laughs> to,
2: to take this to the extreme and to add in the smell component, the first year we ran the Blue Ridge Relay, I was, I don't even know how to describe what I was doing, but I got gasoline on one of Brett's mm-hmm. and he's like, eh, no problem. All right. <laughs>
0: right so 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 literally he ran the remainder of the and that was early that was like around noon of the daytime Uh, i was only like three or four hours into the race and so so for the next 24 hours he ran with gasoline in his shorts that's the guy we're talking about
2: that is brett (laughs) Um, so
0: so we will be sure to talk all about that when we come back in next time Uh, michelle what's going on with you
1: not much i'm doing a little bit of running my uh Watch tells me I need to gain some fitness. <laughs> Whatever it uh, your watch me. said that your
0: training is ideal right now, didn't it? I thought that's what it said.
1: Something like it's time to, it's ideal to gain some fitness or something. Um,
0: not, that sounds good.
1: <laughs> I don't have much going on in the way of running, it's coming up on a corporate tax deadline. Have a family bar mitzvah this weekend, a bunch of cousins coming in from Israel actually. Um, I am signed up for a trail race this month, which is pretty exciting. So I'm hoping to take the same pair of Adidas shoes that George has that I also have that I haven't really tested out on the trails before the race because I'm planning to wear them for the race. So.
0: There you go. There but, you go. I yeah. will be interested to see whether you like them and how much you like them. Eric was in a trail race this past weekend and he wore the Adidas Tarek Speed Ultras. And what did you write on Strava, Eric? You wrote that they were the bomb. Was that what you said?
2: I think I wrote they were the bomb. And All right. Very good. I, so Michelle, we will have to see. the first comment after that was you saying, and I agree.
0: I do agree. So Michelle, we will have to see if you agree once you do your trail
2: race on March 26th. So what was your trail race this past weekend, Eric? So uh, it was unplanned. Uh, <laughs> about two weeks ago, Melissa said, I want to run uh, ultra or a race off-road race on my birthday. And Melissa's birthday was Saturday. So she got online and she found this thing called the Naked Mountain Ultra 30 K. And she said, this looks good. Let's sign up for it. So I signed Grace, Melissa and I up for this. And um, it was it was serious. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: um,
2: I have I think I told you I might have told Michelle this, too. I've never run a race where there is like no physical like it was impossible, literally physically impossible to run up a portion of two of the hills. Mm-hmm. It, it, you were climbing stairs like, but there were no stairs mm-hmm. and switchbacks. It's like these people had never heard of a switchback before. <laughs> like, it, it, and then, and then you had one of them, you had to go back down what you just came up and and so but i'll say this they they did a great job running the race it was beautiful it was a uh, it was in uh uari here the the park here in uh, national park here in north carolina um, moro mountain is where it was and it, the trails were beautiful it was a beautiful day great people uh, it was run really well uh melissa got third for the women a little contention to that because Melissa and Grace ran together and they had a little like slap fight at the finish. Grace was trying to force Melissa to get third for her birthday and Melissa was trying to force Grace. I got fourth, but more importantly, we just had fun. Excellent weather, excellent course, uh, fun people. I'd say other than the three hills that were like these vertical walls you're climbing, um, it was a lot of fun.
1: Oh, I, Eric sent me the elevation profile. I don't know if it was in our, our group text or just our text, but it looked like three climbs that were just, straight up. I don't know. It looked like somebody drew, you know, like you give a kid a pencil and you're like, what do you think a mountain is? And they just draw straight <laughs> up and down. That's what, that's what the elevation profile. That's,
2: that's exactly what it was. I awesome. mean, exactly what it was.
0: So. Very good, very good. I know that you all have been Anxiously awaiting an update on my thumb, a thumb date, if you will. Um, and I'm happy to report that it is probably about 98% back to normal. So, what does
1: that 2% that you is not back to normal feel like? Like tingling?
0: So, a little bit of tingling, a little bit of numbness. So, He's but, having trouble I mean, cleaning up pages. It it was in a it was in a bad state before. And and I'll remind you like a month ago when we last talked about it, Eric said he asked, What is it that you're unable to do because your thumb is in the state that it currently is? And so I actually wrote down a few things for you um I wasn't <laughs> able to button buttons I wasn't able to tie shoelaces I wasn't able to like pull up on the back of my shoes when I was that's not true in them that's not I true I wasn't able to crack eggs with that my is not hand. true you
2: were able to put shoes on and tie your shoelaces so, No, it's only with my, my right period. hand
0: only with my right hand you yeah, can't tie a pair
2: of shoes with one hand
0: so I figured out how to do it That's what I'm saying. I was forced to not use my thumb. That's how bad that it was. I couldn't crack eggs. I couldn't straighten my collar like on my 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 uh, my shirt very well. Um, I had a real hard time opening like a chip bag or a Ziploc bag. We had to like pull it apart. You know, I couldn't really open those all that well. Um, I couldn't use fingernail clippers. And even like when I tried to clip the nail on that thumb, I never realized how much you need to be able to feel the top of the thumb in order to know where to stop clipping. That was problematic as well. Couldn't really use thumbtacks when I was rearranging my workout room. Um, I, my wife asked me to take off a necklace at 1.4, and I couldn't really take it off all at once. Well I couldn't really feel my thumb. I, I tried to put on my number at the Tartan Trot 10K a couple of weeks ago, and I wasn't able to pull my number. So. Basically, anything that required like fine motor skills using your thumb, I was unable to do for the better part of a month. Um,
2: George, George, can I just, this is even funnier for me, <laughs> and you know why, because I was reading your your podcast notes, and I'm like, what is this list? You, you, you were wondering what that stuff? list
0: was for, for the last three or four weeks.
2: That's and about halfway was. through you rec- reciting this, I was like, wait a minute, I've heard all of this. Yes, wait, you no. have. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so, so two layers of skin peeled off. So just like when you have a blister and the skin will peel away, or like when you get a sunburn and the skin peels away, um, that happened twice. And now for the most part, it feels back to normal. It feels a little bit different, but it doesn't feel so different that that like I notice it every single time. So uh, happy to report that that the one lasting casualty here of the mountain mystery of decay is almost faded.
1: I can't believe it, but I didn't understand at all what George was talking about in his notes, but I just didn't even care. To ask. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I don't know what about.
0: Now, you know, I'm glad that I could fill you in. I'm glad that I could give you the context. All right. Lots of things have happened. What we're doing tonight on the podcast, we're, we're going to, of course, talk about in case you missed it, because there's a lot of things we haven't been able to talk about over the course of the past few weeks. Um, just because we had our interview with Corey Waltering, and then we had our interview with Sadie Henderson. Um, and we're going to talk about all of those races and all those things that, that folks might have missed over the course of the last little while. And then we're going to talk debrief a little bit about our, uh, our interviews with Corey and with Sadie, because um, they had some interesting things to say, and, and we've had a week or two weeks to process them now um and and have a few thoughts and a few debriefs to actually do with those so um but let's hop into things in case you missed it um Michelle where do you want to start with your incredibly long list
1: (laughs) yeah I'm not really sure where to start um well we had a very short what seemed like indoor season we talked a little bit to Sadie about her experience um and you know I think we saw some great races some fast times records went down notably and Hoping to bring her on the podcast is Atlanta Track Club Elite's very own Olivia Baker. Made her first senior world team in the 800, and she came in right behind Ajay Wilson, who won her 77,000 800 meter title, and I don't know her seventh, you know, straight USA for indoor. I think. Um, Did you just
2: say 77,000th?
1: Yeah, because I feel like anytime there's an 800 meter championship on the line and Ajay's in the race, it's hers. Um, so they'll go to Worlds and represent USA, and then we'll see them turn around and hopefully gear up for outdoors.
0: And, and to be clear, there were a few people that were, that were uh, wrote, reached out to me about this after we talked to Sadie last week and talked about Worlds. Um, the, the World Indoor Team that Sadie was talking about qualifying for and the World Indoor Team uh, and the World Indoor Championships that, that Michelle is referencing right now, those are obviously different from the World Outdoor Championships, and the World Outdoor Championships are going to be this summer, and those are going to be in Eugene, Oregon. Um, and so, uh, obviously, they're getting a whole lot of attention here in the United States, and we're super excited about those. But before there can be the World Outdoor Championships, there's got to be the World Indoor Championships. And so, the USA National Meet, the USA National Indoor Meet last week qualified people for that indoor championship that, like Michelle just said, is in Serbia. When is it, Michelle?
1: It's in two weeks, I think, so. Uh, very They'll cool. have, I mean, they're going to go right into their outdoor season, you know, for maybe sure. they have a few days off, but um.
0: for sure, for sure. And then over the weekend, we had the Tokyo Marathon. It is now 52 weeks until I run the Tokyo Marathon 2023.
1: Uh, <laughs> According to like my it's, training
0: peaks. Isn't it uh, so like
1: 51 weeks and six days now. There
0: you go. So this weekend, next year, I will be presumably, hopefully, lining up uh, for the Tokyo Marathon because the Tokyo Marathon ran this past weekend. And uh, no one besides uh, people who were able to get into Tokyo anyway was able to run. Um, and so essentially, it was all the pros. And so Elliot Kipchoge and Bridget Kosgei were both there. Um, and then Japanese nationals were able to do it. And then if you were able to get into Japan for some reason, besides being a tourist like if you were able to get in through a business visa or through a sponsorship through some sort of company or something else like that then you could also run as well um, the Tokyo Marathon pretty much said if you can get here you can run but there's not a whole lot we can do to help you get here but they did say if you end up DNSing if you don't pick up your uh, bib at the expo we will automatically defer you to next year um, and so they still had what 25,000 people in the starting line
1: Um, yeah, I think there were less than 20,000 finishers though. Um, and I think if you look at the regular, maybe it's 35, but Mm -hmm. it was definitely, you know, less, but from here, it looked like a world marathon major taking place as usual. So for sure.
0: For sure. And Elliot Kipchoge.
1: I mean, I feel like like a masterclass (laughs) living in an era of unprecedented beauty, watching him run these marathons. So, I mean, he did what he does. He went out with the Pacers and, uh, they had actually asked, I think, to go out a little bit, just two Oh two something. I don't even think it was world record pace. The middle of the course had some, you know, variation up and down, and I don't think it was expected to be able to run as fast as uh, a Berlin or a London, but, um, and then, you know, I feel like it's just a war of attrition who can stay with Kipchoge the longest, (laughs) And then once he's ready to break more
0: and more often than not, the answer is nobody.
1: Yeah. More often than not. I mean, I think he's only lost two marathons ever. Yeah. And,
0: and one of them was his very first one.
1: Yeah. It's just, you get to that like 35, 37 K mark. And he's just like, he just, he starts smiling a little bit as he breaks away. Mm -hmm. It feels like exactly what you want to see when you watch him run a race. So Mm -hmm. um, it was great. It was even better because it was, you know, 7 PM and Saturday night or something. And you didn't have to wake up at 2 AM to follow a marathon in Europe, but um, always go. great to watch him run and to win.
0: Yeah, for sure. He, uh, he set a course record for the Tokyo marathon by running 2:02:40. set a uh, all comers Japan record. So the fastest that ever anybody's ever run on Japanese soil he ran um, and he has now won four of the World Marathon majors. He's won all of them except for New York and Boston. He's never competed at New York or Boston. And he holds the course records at three of them at London, Berlin, and Tokyo. It's um, pretty impressive. So it's super impressive. So we'll see. I mean, what's the, uh, what, what are the odds? I'll ask each one of you. What's the odds? What's the probability that he will show up at the New York City Marathon in November?
1: Is he running on the world championship marathon team? He hasn't said. Right. Um, he only chases
0: one rabbit at a time. Remember? Yeah. So.
1: It seems likely that he would go New York in the fall and Boston in the spring, just because feels like he's just really in, I mean, you could say he's in his prime, but maybe you could say that for the last six he's years. He's
0: 37 years old.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd yeah. want to try it sooner you know rather than later but i feel like whatever decision he makes will be super calculated
0: no for sure for sure eric what do you think does ellie kipchoge show up in the fall to uh to new york city
2: i think it's a toss-up he like you said he chases one rabbit at a time so yeah it doesn't seem like i would say on one hand no it doesn't seem like something that he's going to try to chase but then on the other hand he might decide to chase that rabbit
0: (laughs) i think I, I think I think the chances are good. I think it's better than 50-50 chance that's the way okay. what he does. Because I think that that he had kind of has, has on his in his mind now, okay. Yeah. Now I want to now I want to check off these six majors. And like like Michelle just said, his- um do New York, then Boston next spring. And then he still has a little bit over a year to get ready for his what will be his double defense of his Olympic gold, right? Uh, and try and become the first person ever to win three gold. I think he's just highly motivated by these sorts of groundbreaking type things. He's highly motivated by world records and uh, uh, setting course records and doing things that nobody else has ever done before. I think that's what motivates him. Um, yeah, and
1: I think his initial commentary after he won Tokyo was, I have now accomplished, you know uh, four out of six of my goal of winning every world marathon major. So I think it's top on his mind. Yeah. And I'm going to enter the New York lottery. So if he gets in, I really hope I get in.
0: <laughs> so if, if he gets in, if he decides to go and you get in, there's a good chance I would go be a spectator for that one. <laughs> we'll I mean, <laughs> we'll I, see. I think my I sister might have put to in spectate, too. Though, if, 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 if my sister ends up getting into it as well, then. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely making the trip,
1: but that's a hard toss-up. I would actually like defer running New York City just to be able to watch him run in real time. Is <laughs> that I I, allowed to say that? <laughs> I know,
0: no. As many times we've watched him run on TV, as much as we've talked about him, we've never actually seen him in person. I've never actually laid eyes on the guy. Yeah, so,
1: yeah. We'll yeah, see.
0: cool. And then, not to be outdone on the women's side, was Bridget Cosguy who ran, who ran literally the first mile in two sixteen pace and ran two sixteen. I that mean, was, incredible. It was just a metronomic swiss time machine effort here uh, ran two sixteen oh two, the third fastest marathon ever run by a woman the only two times that are faster one of them was her own world record uh, and the other one was a world record she broke from paula radcliffe so she now has two of the top three all-time marathon times um, also of course set a course record also of course set at japan all comers record so uh, pretty incredible race on her part as well, uh, Michelle. You actually watched both races, didn't you?
1: I so it's interesting. I don't think you can say that anybody watched both races. The coverage of the women's race was virtually non-existent. Right. I was only getting updates from uh, Twitter, mostly from Josh Cox, who is Sarah Hall's agent. Sarah mm-hmm. Hall was able to get into Japan and run the race. I'm sure it has a lot to do with <laughs> her Asics sponsorship. Sure, um, but Yeah. You never, and this is the downside of a mass start when the women don't go first, it's always pretty difficult to get, you know, a lead vehicle or a camera vehicle to get a camera on the women. But I don't know. I feel like that's the only excuse we're down to for not having good coverage for the women. And we really never saw the women race. And then even more so once Kipchoge finished, I mean, they could have found ways to zoom in at least on the women. They were running with men who cares but instead we saw you know the people we saw what seven people come across seven men come across and break the tape i mean i think at that point almost everybody tuning in would have would have rather watched the women race so yeah yeah, it was (laughs) actually fell asleep (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Because, because, because as much as you liked watching ellie kipchoge run
1: yeah, you know, watching was, him,
0: watching him hug all the various Japanese dignitaries just wasn't doing it for you. <laughs> I was
1: so bummed there was no it was just clear that we were really going to find out probably just watching them come down the last, you know, the last two turns who was going to win and Sarah Hall was already way off the pace and kind of lost back in the top 10 so Watched both of the races. I wish we had been able to see uh, good coverage of both the races. So maybe next time.
0: Now, of course, you say that she was lost way back in the top 10. She finished eighth and she ran 222.
1: Yeah, so, I think the amazing not a bad thing day about for her. Sarah Hall the last two years is it has now become a disappointing day for Sarah Hall to finish eighth in a world marathon major. And I think she ran right under 223, maybe two twenty-two fifty-six or 58. So that that's now disappointing for her just shows, you know, how far she's come in terms of turning her career focus to marathoning. Um, It'll be interesting to see, you know, what she does in terms of how she rebounds. She's slated to run both Boston and the World Championship Marathon this summer. Uh, We found out after the race that she had a small fall, I think, during training and, and missed a bit of training back in February. So, you know, we never really know kind of what's going on and when these professionals have a rocky buildup or get a perfect buildup. So it turns out she had a few bumps in the road for this. Uh, Maybe she could have run 219, which is what she wanted to run. She went out on that pace, which is faster than she's ever gone out, but just couldn't hang on. So I know she was disappointed, but I think she was happy to put herself out there. And again, it's pretty crazy how uh, Sarah Hall just came in eighth to 2256 or 58. It's like that's still an amazing time, so. For sure, uh, yeah. For
0: sure, for sure, very good. All right, so while we're talking about races and while we're talking about people running fast, we have to talk about Grant Fisher. Do we? T- class. T- 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 tell us about his last two weeks, Michelle.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, Grant Fisher. Sure, Grant,
0: Grant like, Fisher, fellow alumnus of the Blue Ridge Relay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> no. Grant, F- Grant Fisher ran the Blue Ridge Relay with Eric and me this past fall. So. But he got disqualified. <laughs> So, but he got disqualified. That's right for being too fast. But anyway, <laughs> um, case in point uh, follows right along. Tells what he did over the course of the past month here, uh, Michelle.
1: Do you want to talk about two weeks ago, and I'll talk about last night, or?
0: So yeah, so so two weeks ago, uh, he sets out at the uh, the is it the Boston Terrier Invitational? Is that what it was?
1: Yeah. Um, or and the runs, BU,
0: yeah. Something like that. Yeah. At BU and runs 1253 for indoor 5,000 meters, um, breaking Galen Rupp's record and setting a new American record in, in the 5,000 meters. Um, and so then hot on the heels of that last night, he goes out yeah. and runs a 10,000 meters outdoors. That's
1: right. We got a sequel to his amazing 1253 for 5k and saw him run an outdoor 10k last night. <clears throat> excuse me sound running put on the 10 again which is just an outdoor meet in california it's set up is you know to be run fast they brought in the wave light technology they brought it down from uh, hayward field for this race specifically people could chase the time for both usa usas this summer and worlds and grant just ran unbelievably 26 33 84 he ran uh, Previously, the American record was also held by Ruff. It was 26:44, and Grant just sailed right under it. And honestly, all the you know write-up and everything about it. I mean, no American has ever run 12:53 for 5K indoor and 26:33 for 10K within the span of a month. Um, but Grant Fisher is basically rewriting history when it comes to these distance times uh, for the men. So,
0: yeah. He's uh,
1: really—he's just where he was a year ago to where he is now is pretty unbelievable, actually. (laughs)
2: Um, It is how unbelievable is it?
0: Well, I was not going to go there (laughs) uh, to that point. So a year ago, had he been the starting line of a race a year ago, standing on the starting line of a five thousand meters a year ago, his personal best one year ago today would have been thirteen eleven um and last night in the 10,000 meters um he ran 1323 for the first 5k and 1310 for the second 5k uh so in other words his back half his his second 5k was actually faster than his 5k pr was this time last year um I mean, he had an amazing year last year. He finished what fifth in the Olympic ten thousand meters, um, and and really just had a had a coming out party. I mean, he ran the Blue Ridge Relay last year. It was amazing. Yeah, uh, it was all and,
1: about the Blue Ridge Relay. fitness.
0: <laughs> and then, but but he is starting off twenty twenty two just on fire. Um, it's uh, it's it's kind of incredible. You know, it's it's a breakthrough year on top of a breakthrough year for him. Um, I, I'll mention it. I'll say it. why um do you think he's clean i would
1: get in so much trouble if i said this you You, you wouldn't
0: get in trouble i I, i'm just i i I think it's an unfortunate side effect of the history of both cycling and track and field the two sports of my two favorite sports but do you think he's clean
1: i mean you would be you would i feel like you would be upset that i would be a skeptic about
0: i wouldn't i wouldn't no i
1: think it is i think there's there's just
0: I don't the think it's for
1: 365 days is it's too much. I think. I don't know.
2: Hmm. I don't think it's fair to ask, is he clean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a ones and zeros type question. I think it's fair to say, okay. does this progression not match what would be expected? Right. And And then the answer is yes. And that throws some gray in there. Now, mm-hmm. is it possible? Yes you know, it's possible, but is it expected? Is it normal? Wow. You know, it it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, but we just stopped talking about Kipchoge and how amazing he is. Mm-hmm. The difference I think is the progression again. Yeah. And then the sustained capability of Kipchoge yeah. really defines him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kipchoge Kip was a world champion in the 5,000 meters. Almost twenty years ago, um, and so so he he moved up very gradually over time, and and everything kind of lines up for him. Um, a red flag for this sort of thing is always an abnormally fast or potentially too good to be true progression. You know, as as Eric just said, and, and so you know, a breakthrough year on top of a breakthrough year, it does at least give a track fan pause.
1: You have to, I think we need to understand, only six people in history have ever run faster than 2633 for a 10K. Mm-hmm. He he just, he's 24 years old. Mm-hmm. He was not running remotely this fast 365 days ago, and he just put himself up there with literally the world's best.
0: Yeah, with, with Kenanisa Bekele, with Paul turgat with Haile Gebrselassie, <laughs> right? He's now faster than Samu Njeru was. He's now faster than Elliot Kipchoge was. He's now faster than Mo Farah was, right? So, um, so yeah. I mean, he's definitely kind of put himself there. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm I, I'm not accusing him. I don't have any inside information on that. Um, he certainly has never tested positive. Otherwise, we would know about that. Um, but an unfortunate reality of our sport is is that when there is a performance that appears to be almost too good to be true, you do have to kind of wonder sometimes. And an uh, even
1: more unfortunate reality of this specific athlete in this specific performance is that he does, you know, hail from the Bowerman track club and we're still right. coming off the Shelby Houlihan stuff. And I don't think anyone feels good about that yet. So. Right.
2: Right. I agree. I, I agree. would say I to, to not for that, not to enter your mind, it, it would show a, you know, an immaturity or a, a lack of openness to the past, you know, reality. Yeah.
0: I I agree with you on that. Um I sure do hope he's clean. <laughs>
2: yeah, I do too. I do too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I i sure do like cheering for him, you know, and I sure do like uh pointing out that he did the Blue Ridge relay last year when Eric and I did. And that's probably the secret to his success, you know. Um Definitely. Eric, can you imagine how fast he would be next year if he did the Blue Ridge relay again this year? Oh my god! <laughs> I can hardly wrap my mind around it. What What if he did the Tobacco Road Relay, which is being put on by the Blue Ridge Relay organizers on April thirtieth for the first time this year, and then did the Blue Ridge Relay? His twenty twenty three
1: put on. There's nobody registered. Uh,
0: so well, there are like five teams of which Eric and I are one, and and so so we will see. We will see. Um, I sure hope it will be, um, and I hope Grant Fisher shows up. Um, very good all right so speaking of fast times world records that sort of thing eric steven makoka 50k world record tell us about it
2: i can't even wrap my head around running a 506 mile like one (laughs) and this guy goes and does it for 50k yeah um yeah i mean 240 13 I don't know where these people come from or what they eat, (laughs) but I, I want some of it and I wish I was from there. I know he is from South Africa.
0: You know, you lived in South Africa for a while. So it seems like, you know, maybe you have some of what this guy's got. Um, He's a three-time Olympian, right? He's a two Oh seven marathoner.
2: He's 37 Um, years old. So so... I'm only only a couple of years older than him.
0: There you go. He's run under an hour for uh, he's run under an hour for half marathon. So um, so he does have a pretty good range. But uh, but but yeah, uh, pretty impressive time there by Stephen Makoka 13 To inspire you to want to try and go out and run a single five hundred six mile?
2: <laughs> no, I, it doesn't because laying on the ground, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that afterwards and not having got the five or six mile under my belt, no, it doesn't really. No. All right, uh, another world
0: record set over the weekend. Last weekend was by friend of the podcast, Betty Lindbergh. So Betty Lindbergh set a new five k world record uh, for the five k road um, by more than half an hour in the ninety five plus age group, women's age group. So uh, kudos to to our friend Betty Lindbergh who. Went what was Betty's the time? So it was under an hour.
1: Yeah, she was um, right under an hour.
0: Yeah, she was under an hour and and the time that she 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 beat was like an hour and a I half. I think she was
1: 5545 yeah. or
0: 5547 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So She's awesome. Yeah. So I am uh Okay, I,
2: 1746 miles. I yeah. can <laughs> contemplate that. <laughs> I can, I can contemplate that. And it does inspire me to go out and
0: and run a 5K or run maybe 5K. 10. <laughs>
2: yeah, there you go.
0: Um uh more ultra news. Herman Silva finished up his run across Mexico. Um Herman Silva was the uh, the champion of the New York City Marathon in, I want to say, 93 or 94. I was a big fan of him back in the day. Um, he won the New York City Marathon despite the fact that he took a wrong turn with about a kilometer to go um, and, and still was able to kick it in and actually take the win. Um, but he is now in his 50s, and he ran from one end of Mexico to the other, and he finished up his cross-Mexico run, his trans-Mexico run, on February 20th in Tulum um, over uh, near the beaches in the eastern side of the country. Um, and they filmed them along the way. He's trying to draw attention to some more beautiful and overlooked parts of Mexico. Um, and then Michael Wardian, um, who lives in my sister's neighborhood in northern Virginia, um, uh, ultra runner, former world record holder in the Pushing a Stroller Marathon, uh, current world record holder for the marathon while dressed as Elvis, um, Uh, Michael Wardian is planning a Trans-America run. He's going to be uh, starting from San Francisco um, on um, May 1st, Um, and over the course of the ensuing few months, he's going to finish up on July 4th um, back across um, uh, in Rehoboth Beach. he uh, is calling it the run home since he's going to be starting on the West host. And of course, running to the East coast. So uh, good luck to both of them. Uh, I'm going to reach out to Michael Wardy and see if I can get him maybe to come on the podcast. And, and if not that, then at least like, you know, give us some audio or, or, or something like that. That might be kind of fun. um, um All right. One last kind of thing in the in case you missed it, um, is the death of a guy named John Landy. Um, John Landy was not the first person to break the four minute mile. He was the second person to break the four minute mile. (laughs) Um, And so Roger Bannister, of course, was the first in 1954. And about two months later, the Australian John Landy became the second. He actually broke Roger Bannister's world record and ran three fifty seven point nine um, to, uh, to set a new world record. And then on August 7th of 1954, uh, the two of them squared off against one another in what was billed as the mile of the century. Um, and they both, they both broke four minutes that day, um, and became the first race ever where two people broke four minutes in the same race. Um, and so there was a famous moment in that race where he was in the lead and with about hundred meters to go, he looked over his left shoulder to see where Roger Bannister was. And right at that very moment, Roger Bannister passed him on the right um, and was able to to squeak by him there. Um, That moment has been immortalized in statues and photographs and posters and all sorts of other things. But John Landy um, was an all-around good guy, Australian runner, um, and uh, he died last month at age 91. So rest in peace, Mr. John Landy. Um, All right. Um, We're going to take some time tonight to talk real quickly about Corey Waltering and Sadie Henderson. So debrief that, reflect on that. We've had a couple of weeks to process it. We've got a couple of weeks to, to hear back from a few people about what they thought about it. Let's talk about Corey first. One of the big things we realized when Corey sent us his photo to put on Instagram is that we didn't even talk about his history with Speedos. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because we uh we were planning to put on instagram like a screenshot of all of us talking to him um and we said "Corey, how about this or do you want to send us a photo and he sent us a photo of him running an ultra wearing a speedo speedo. (laughs) (laughs) and written on that speedo is omg
1: so let's just let's just name it appropriately uh it looks like a speedo but one of his sponsors is noodle bags who yeah. actually makes the bathing suit and we use the word speedo really just as a way to define the that's true whatever men's bikini bottom like what do you call it if you don't call it a speedo um, banana, but yeah banana. his bottoms are designed by one of his sponsored noodle bags and they are can you, can I even say that they're cute? Like, I don't know, even <laughs>
0: talk about this. Like. So, so he evidently a few years ago, um, when he was just kind of getting started in the ultra world, um, forgot his shorts for, uh, for a run. Um, and he was a triathlete. He had a background as a triathlete. And so he just grabbed a pair of probably actual speedos at that point, um, yep. or, or at least a speedo style, uh, bathing suit. And he ran the ultra wearing that speedo um and put it on instagram as he does and it got a lot of attention and so became a part of his personal brand um and for some reason we didn't talk to him about that and perhaps we should have because then he sent us a picture of himself wearing a noodle bag omg
1: <laughs> it was um yeah Corey's a fun
0: like, guy i enjoyed when talking i was to him.
1: when i was posting that it was like am I actually sending this picture through to Instagram? But, (laughs) oh yeah, I did. (laughs) And I think it's actually our most liked post ever. Uh, The Instagram feature where I can collaborate with Corey himself Mm -hmm. uh, helps tremendously, but yeah.
2: Absolutely. Well, George, does that inspire you to race Peyton's wild and wacky, wild and wacky 10 by 5K in a Speedo? No, <laughs> I'm concerned at how long it took you to think about that.
0: It does not. Um, so I, 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 used to always say when I coached high school runners, like they would start a run and they'd have like a tennis ball or something. They'd be like, we're going to throw this on our run and some like of that. And I'd be like, all right, that's going to get old after about a quarter mile. Or like one of them would show up with like a, a goofy hat or something and be like, I'm going to wear this for a run today. I'd be like, all right, it's gonna be old after about a quarter mile. Um, and that was, that was sort of my go-to line was that's going to get old after a quarter mile. Um, I think that, that I would, everybody would think it was hilarious on the starting line. We'd take a few pictures and we'd laugh about it and you get old after about a quarter mile. <laughs> 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 I'd be like, this is a terrible idea. Why did I think this was a good idea?
2: You know, yeah. So. Grace reminded me of when we ran the beast of the East, uh, 50 miler, there were these two guys that showed up, um, and for the first probably six miles they both ran with a can of beer in their hand mm-hmm. and one of them had a backpack full of beer and i looked at them the first time we hit a turnaround and came back and i said that's going to get old in about yep. the next 30 to 45 minutes yep. and sure enough the the next time we saw them which was quite a bit later they did not have the backpack or the mm-hmm. cans of beer in their hand Yep. Yep. Those sorts of things. They seem
0: like a great idea. They are not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, for Corey, though, apparently it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so good point. Evidently it is. Well, so and and that actually segues into something else that that really stood out. um, And that was the role of Instagram in his career. Um, And I know that sounds really simplistic, but it felt like we kept circling back around to Instagram. Well, they saw me on Instagram or this person reached out to me on Instagram. So I posted this on Instagram and I felt like, like, and I don't have any qualms about Instagram. Like, I don't have, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not anti-social media or anything like that. But but I just, I was just struck by that. I mean, Michelle, you use Instagram more than I do. Did that stand out to you?
1: I felt like I was um, primarily following Corey on Twitter and not having really, um, spent a lot of time on his Instagram. Like I didn't know he was a Ford Bronco ambassador. So I felt a little bit like a fool. <laughs> like I brought this guy on the podcast. <laughs> I went out and got the interview. I've followed him for you know a long time on Twitter, but I just missed, I just, I have some of my social feeds separated. Um, I guess maybe separated too much. So, once I really got to, to looking at him on Instagram, you know, a lot of what he said just, just made so much more sense. Um, just the sponsorships that he has and the way that he views ultra running. And, you know, I think, especially after I've spent a lot of time on his Instagram now, <laughs> I <I've> looked at <laughs> almost everything, but he just, it's like, he's got a good gig. He mm-hmm. loves what he does. He's good at it. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, drawing people in, in terms of the, diversity field and bringing more awareness to lgbtq runners especially like in the mountain trail ultra world and i just think it's awesome um and i think that you know we asked him about some of the races that he's run and some of the more you know exotic or foreign places and you know if you got an invitation on instagram through a dm or something right. it's just it's pretty if you can market yourself like that and and you can make a living going out there and, you know, running trails and being in the mountains and some of the most beautiful places in the world. Hell yeah. Like it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: I so, agree. I agree. But, tell me, tell me this. And, 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 and I'm just curious about this and I, and I, and I really don't know. Do you think, do you think it's accidental or do you think it's intentional? Like, like.
1: No, so, it's very intentional.
0: Okay. I mean, so, so. I
1: think he's, I think in order to keep the momentum that he has and in order to keep the sponsors that he has, um, you know, there's a lot in there. I think he could talk a lot about, you know, what it feels like to be a professional runner and wake up and you just don't want to go for the run. Like I think we have this image of people who run professionally and that's their career. They love what they do every single day and they enjoy it. And it feels like he has, you know, some pretty tough moments and, but he's still putting that out there. Like he's intentionally putting the content on there to keep people engaged. Um, so I don't think he's, you know, randomly, I don't think much of it is random. So. No.
0: Okay. And and there's not anything wrong with that.
1: And, no, not and at all. I,
0: I, don't, I don't mean to suggest you're saying they're nefarious about it at all. But but I think that people who are really good at social media, they they can do it in an intentional way that makes it look incidental you know um that makes it look real and authentic and and it probably is real and authentic but it's also planned and intentional um you know um and so so that that's not that's not a skill that i have i don't think um but but i think that's something that he does have and i think that 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 is a skill that has served him well um you know um, but, it, but, it, but the reason why I ask about it, and this kind of segues into it, to something else that, that really stood out to me, um, is that he seems, um, and this is not a criticism, he seems like a very happy-go-lucky guy. Yeah, um, sure. And, and I think that's a great quality, and I wonder how much that personality trait, or what I see as that personality trait, helps him in Ultra, because Michelle, you've said before that you're fascinated by the problem solving process of ultra marathons. You think that's super cool. Right. Um, and one of the things we've talked about with ultra runners, including with Eric on this podcast is the way that, that when a problem arises, you have to solve it and you have to move on. Right. And he just, he strikes me as a guy that just doesn't let things weigh him down.
1: Do you know I mean, what I mean, the thing about Corey is that he doesn't overthink this stuff. Yeah. So when the problem arises, you know, I think he can, he can deal with it with both a little bit of humor, which I don't think a lot of people can find and in, in some of the difficult, you know, circumstances he described, but I think he also just, he's not going to get super analytical. He's just going to kind of figure it out in the moment and, and do what he thinks is best. And mm-hmm. it seems to serve him pretty well. I'm jealous of that. Yeah. But, <laughs> I don't that, have much of that,
0: but that that's the reason why then saying that his his Instagram is so intentional, that's the but reason I why think, that feels a little incongruous to me. I and think maybe maybe it shouldn't
1: is, be. you know, when someone derives their really, you know, a lot of their income and their, I mean, he's he's essentially a content creator on Instagram. So I think, some of the pictures that are taken and some of the stuff that happens it's not intentional it's not perfectly set up but i do think that there's just a momentum throughout his daily life to you know if he can carve out something that can be used as content i think that's always sort of in the back of his mind Mm -hmm. Um, and if you get that totally random you know happenstance moment and you catch it for instagram then that's just like the cherry on top Mm
0: -hmm. i think he did i think he did he has he definitely has, I think, a serious side to him. Sure. You know, and I think we heard it when we talked to him, to him about breaking the mold. Yeah. Um, I think that was the one place where he got kind of serious and he got kind of eloquent um, about the importance of, of creating a welcoming ultra community and about diversity, not just LGBTQ lgbtq diversity but racial diversity and even age diversity and socioeconomic diversity i think that he that he spoke very wisely about those sorts of things um and i think it's kind of i just thought it was very interesting that contrasted so why do you do all this stuff ah cupcakes you know i mean you know so i i the more i reflected on 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 his interview the more i just kind of thought about the various aspects of him that all kind of come together, these sort of fun things, these serious things, these, you know, and, and, and I think that it creates a very successful blend for him. And I think that's great. I think he's, I, I had fun, you know?
1: Yeah. He was super fun to talk to him.
0: Yeah. What do you think he's going to be like in 10 years? Do you think he's going to be the same? Do you think he's going to be more serious? What do you think?
1: I mean, George, I don't even know what I'm doing for dinner tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know you what know, you're going to be in ten years. I'm asking you what, I, what you think Corey is going to be in ten years. Fair, good point.
1: <laughs> and like, I have a house full of people about to happen, so, so maybe fair, I fair. can't really opine on that right now.
0: <laughs> good point. Good point. I mean, Eric, what do you think? You're 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 uh, an older, wizened ultra runner. I mean, what do you think he's going to be like in ten years? Do you think he's going to still have? that sort of happy-go-luckiness about him? You think he's going to become more serious? You think he's going to become more happy-go-lucky? I mean, what do you think?
2: Um, I, I don't. Well, I, I think he's going to become more mature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying he's immature. I'm saying um, he's still pretty. I'd, I'd consider it early in his professional career. I mm-hmm. think he's I think he has a lot that he could still learn Um, and maybe I think when we start talking about the second interview, which I did not participate in, but I, but I did listen to, I'll be able to alliterate this a little differently and maybe contrast the two. I just felt like I didn't feel like he had a really good why. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And maybe it just didn't come out in the interview. You know, if you asked me, why do you run ultras? I can give you a pretty succinct, you know, you know, elevator pitch on what I get out of them. And I, I, I dare to say most people who listen to podcasts could say, Oh yeah, I can tell you how, why Eric runs ultras. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel like I heard that from him. I felt like I heard, well, I was kind of good at it and I kind of like the, the atmosphere. So I just, kind of did it. And I won a couple of races and I was chasing sponsors. And then the sponsors said, do this. You know, you, asked, you point blank asked the question like, well, what, what made you, you know, living in Illinois, what made you go for running mountain ultras, off-road mountain ultras? And he said, well, the sponsors kind of dictated that. Mm-hmm. And that was it. There wasn't any like, right. oh, and I, and I learned to love it. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Right. So I, I, was, I was a little taken aback by that. It was kind of surprised me um so i think over the next 10 years he's going to figure that out and decide i really love this or he's going to go away because he doesn't really love it
0: yeah
2: and go away either into back to the road or go away and the guy just don't run anymore
0: Mm -hmm. i agree with all those
2: things yeah it'll be interesting
0: i agree with all those things and i hope he doesn't go away because i like him and i think he's important um, I think he has a good voice and, and I think he uses this platform for, for good reasons. Um, and so I hope he doesn't go away, but I agree with you that, that I think he's, he's going to reach a point where he's going to need to think about his why. So he's got good guidance. I mean, Jason Coop, like I said, I read his book. I listened to several podcasts that he's been on, um, and he's solid. He's solid. Um, all right. So we want to pivot then to talking about Sadie since, we'll you uh, since, uh, since since Eric mentioned that he could probably contrast there. Um, Michelle, you kick us off with Sadie. What were some of your big takeaways thinking about her?
1: Oh, I just think that she's super – I think she's so young and she's so focused and committed on what her goals are. And her decision – you know, Wazelle little, Wazelle's little wing is a professional running group, but it serves – typically is kind of um, a path for people out of college, and they'll train with them for a while and then kind of retire or move on to a career. Or if they have the type of success that Sadie saw, which we didn't even mention she ran a 158, you know, we didn't even get to her actual times. But I mean, she's one of the fastest 800 meter runners in the country. Um, And it feels like her decision to join Atlanta Track Club Elite Team and kind of where she wants to take her running is really just her primary focus and everything else. um, Even though she's engaged in kilometer kids, like she's really just all in on her running right now. And, and I love to see that. I think that's hard to see in somebody that's really, you know, she's just in mid twenties. I mean, that's not, that's, that's pretty young to, to really be so driven and, and so focused on such specific running goals. So I'm excited for her. I think she's in a great spot and, you know, I think she, uh, really was just holding on for dear life during indoor season. I mean, she spoke a little bit about a lack of indoor experience and, you know, just kind of following, uh, some of the more seasoned, uh, professional runners on the team, Olivia Baker specifically, who also ran the 800 this indoor season. Um, and it seems like she's just, she's happy where she is. She's got a good group of people. We know she's got amazing coaches. So I'm pretty excited for her. Um, I think it's cool. She chose Atlanta. um, I think it's great. She could have gone. I mean, she could have ended up, you know, in Boulder or, like she said, any of the other West Coast teams. So it's a big, big, big. I mean, this is not Montana, nor has it been, nor is it San Francisco. So Mm -hmm. to come out here and, um, you know, feel like she's settling in with the running is is awesome. And I think you know she's aware that she hasn't really been here that much, so she's comfortable kind of around where she lives, but it seems like Atlanta is going to be a good place for her. So
2: it might not be Colorado or Montana, but you got the Chattahoochee. I mean, <laughs> listen, if,
1: if I, okay, so for listeners who didn't listen to our podcast last week, first of all, you should go listen to it because it was a great interview. Second of all, Sadie lives in an area where um, Chattahoochee Coffee Company, there's coffee shops, it's right on the river. A bunch of us run down there and, and for her, You know what she needs in nature and what she needs is the outdoors she she likened it to experiences of living in montana and bend and i have honestly as i've been outside since we had that interview i'm trying to like reframe (laughs) where i am and what my surroundings are and somehow whitewash my brain to make me feel better about the fact that i'm not (laughs) you know somewhere out west it's like well I mean, Sadie's born and bred in the mountains of Montana and she lived in Bend. And if the chatting is good enough for her, like, what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs>
0: like, yeah. yeah, no, um, good point. Yeah, like, I, I just binge watched three seasons of Yellowstone over the course of the past month.
1: Oh, forget and it. Like,
0: and, like, <laughs> those vistas are not these vistas.
1: <laughs> I know. It's nope. like, most of the time, I spend most of my time, why do I live here still? <laughs> I mean, I know why I live here. But... To to hear somebody who's actually you know lived in these types of places where I would love the experience of living find um you know contentment with the outdoors here I thought it was awesome um, yeah some of it could just be a mind shift also you know which which but, would be very it, helpful for me too <laughs> I,
0: I I I agree but I also think that that and I, and I've I've often said this that that uh, Atlanta is it's, it's a pretty green city. Um, and the city itself is not only, you know, filled with trees, but, but you can, you can get to a lot of nature pretty quickly. Um, and you can live kind of in the heart of things like she does and still be on the edges of nature. And so, um, I do think that it's not as, as concrete, it's not as dense and it's not as, as citified as as some of the other eastern cities are it's more spread out um and it's frankly a little bit newer um in such a way that it's been built in a planned manner that that maintains some of its green spaces um and so i i think atlanta is a great city for a variety of reasons not the least of which is the amount of green that you can find and i think that was a big part of why she decided to come here yeah
2: Um, i mean i think if she had said though that yeah i've run up around the Nanahalia and, you know, up in North Georgia and all that, I would have been like, I'm there, like, that's where you fly fish, that's where you, you're not afraid to get in the water and get a disease. Um, you, You know, I would have been like, yeah, okay, I can, I can see that, but the river park and the Chattahoochee, I mean, it's a, it's a crushed gravel trail along a flat river with literally the interstate, you can hear it on the whole course. That a
0: native of Montana said was just as good as Montana. I
2: know. And if that's her, (laughs) if that's if that makes her comfortable and, you know, Sadie, if you're listening to this podcast, this is no disrespect. If that makes you comfortable and you like that, more power to you. And that's awesome if that supports your running. I just I've been to Montana and damn, I like. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it ain't the same. Not for me.
0: Um, Let's, uh, you know, circling back to what you said a minute ago, Michelle, about her being focused on times and all that sort of thing. Um, I think one of the big takeaways from talking to her as well um, was, was how, for me at least, how task oriented she is. Um, And by that, I mean, she, she very much says this is what I got to do and let's gotta get it done and let's move forward um, and she's very much it felt to me like she's very much a you know move quickly and break things type personality yeah. um, she has a so-called true north personality um, I was a little bit blown away and I've thought about it several times that when she was in ninth grade they flipped a coin three times it came up heads twice she quit volleyball and she she ran cross country
2: instead
1: That's pretty I don't. Good like
2: that, i don't believe it you don't believe that, that's it. a great that's a great story but i believe it she she was way too intentional and deep thinking and all that about everything else she talked about that was the one point in the interview that just sounded like uh what no see i see i i believe no. it because because to me that she's... fell in line because yeah. because because to me
1: in college
0: to to me to me she's so task oriented that that she's like, all right, let's make this decision so we can move right. forward. Let's not get bogged down in reflecting on 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 the pros and cons. Let's let's not let let's make decision and let's go with it, right? And let's not look back. And so flip a fucking coin, get two heads, and and let's get to it. And that, and that's what that felt like to me. Um, that and and for a ninth grader to have that sort of attitude, that's pretty striking, right? But then even <laughs> when it came to you know, she says, all right. Then I moved to San Francisco. I made the decision three days, done. Boom, San Francisco. I mean, she left Boise State where she had already spent three years and had all these jobs and had dug herself into that community and had been a and conference champion. finished with
1: a double major.
0: Yeah. And 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 just said, All right, boom, let's go. And 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 just didn't look she back. She didn't flip a coin though. Right? She didn't um, flip a coin. So for that so, decision. No, she, she, weighed didn't. The she didn't. She did not
2: she, she, she didn't need to. But what I'm she saying, weighed the pros and cons, and she thought about that deeply, and said, "Okay, this is the right thing for me to do." Because that was not, not that deeply. That's
0: decision. the thing is that she she made the decision. She had to make it quickly. She made it, and she moved forward. Um, and and I think that's just kind of part of who she is. Um, you know, she 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 drops everything in San Francisco, and moves to Ben, she finishes in Ben, and moves to Atlanta. I mean she, she is very much, I think a task oriented person. And I was really struck by that at the same time. I think it also explains one of the reasons why her coach coach Pat was so good for her. Sure. Cause he, cause he slowed her down. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and maybe this is maybe, maybe you're right when, when it came to that three days and weighing the pros and cons of moving to San Francisco, because he had her influence there. Like, I, I, I think that, that it goes to show how, how helpful a coach can be, not only in your workouts, but in your life, um, when, when they are able to help you step back a little bit and, and see the bigger picture. I, I think that she can get so in the process, so focused on what she's doing, that she sort of can, can lose sight of the bigger picture. She she can miss the forest for the trees.
2: Totally get what you're saying. Here's how I think that actually went. Okay, Dad, we're going to flip a coin. Heads I run, tails I don't. First flip, tails. (laughs) That's two out of three. (laughs) Heads, heads, yay! But she she
0: wasn't yay about it. That's the striking thing, (laughs) is that she said it was actually really hard. Because all of her friends were still playing volleyball. She had spent that entire summer going to the open gyms with the volleyball team. And then she decided at the last minute to run cross-country. Um,
2: we can agree to disagree. Yeah and, yeah. and only she knows. And regardless, it has turned out really well. Yeah, and for sure. you guys had an awesome interview and she's an awesome person. For sure. For sure. And to my, so to the point that I was making between her and Corey, about the kind of a, a dichotomy between the two of them. I think she knows exactly why she's doing what she's doing. I think she's 100 percent invested in it. And I think that it just took the right coach to to drag that out of her. Not drag, but to partner with her and and foster that. And that that was clear through the entire uh, conversation you all had with Mm her. Mm -hmm. No, she's tough as nails.
0: And so, so I, I, I enjoy talking to her and yeah, I mean, the more we're talking about it, the more I'm kind of reflecting on them here at the same time, the more different those two interviews feel, you know, because those two athletes are different. Yeah, Yeah, they really do. And not just because one of them runs the half mile and the other one does, you know, a 1200 mile FKT over the course of, of three weeks. But I
1: think they each are so well suited for success in their respective, you know, ultraverse
0: track runner. Um, I agree. I agree. And that actually I think is is the best parting thought. Um is that running is a big tent and there's a wide variety of things that you can do and you can have two people who are polar opposites from one another and there is space for both of them inside of this sport. And that's the reason why we record podcast about it. Michelle, last thought. I'm
1: looking forward to some of the other interviews we have lined up with Some of the other members of Atlanta Track Club Elites team, Um, I think, you know, Amy and Andrew have brought in a bunch of awesome people and we have a bunch of awesome people here and it's really exciting just building into world championships that are on US soil this summer so that and uh, plug the book of the quarter one more time since my friend is the author, Um, Let's Get Physical by Danielle Friedman. If you haven't picked up a copy, we totally should. I feel like it's everywhere and I'm super excited for her and we're going to bring her on to, to debrief it next month. So I'm uh, mm-hmm. looking forward to that. Got four yeah. more weeks to read it. Oh, three more weeks.
0: Yeah. About three more weeks. Yeah. Pick up and, your it's, copy. and it's Clear.
2: great. And it's great. <laughs> Eric, last thought. So I listen to a lot of podcasts and it just keeps growing. And friend of the podcast, Lee Ragsdale pointed us towards this endurance innovation podcast with, uh, Andrew Buckrell and Michael Liberson, I believe they're both Canadians, and it just popped up in my feed uh, while I was on the way home from somewhere this weekend, and uh, they recorded a really short podcast. And he said, you know, I really just don't feel right recording a podcast right now. He said, but it's kind of my process. He's like, there's just so much stuff going on in the world right now, and this is just such a heavy time. And as much as we enjoy what we do, and I love the podcast for you guys, I've, this has been weighing on me all week. And I just want everybody to keep thinking about how blessed we are in the U.S. to be able to do what we do as freely and easily as we do it. And to you know, think about those you know other people, you know, people in the Ukraine. They don't have that option right now. So I don't. I couldn't get through this podcast without saying something.
0: Thank you for that, Eric. I appreciate it. Michelle, I appreciate you being here.
1: Have a good night, guys.
2: Eric, I'll see you this weekend. 17 out of 10, George, 17 (laughs) out of 10. I'm still excited. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast on Twitter, at Pleasant Podcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at ITL Coaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash Performance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, Facebook.com slash Blue and on Instagram, Blue Pineapple Travel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRx.com, Facebook.com slash Here for That's the number 4 SlayRx. Twitter at OfficialSlayRx. and Instagram Here for The number 4 SlayRx. Discount code Pleasant22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.